more self-love. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning. We are very happy that you have joined us today. We are going to tackle one of the toughest topics in the news for the last several years, and I imagine for the rest of our lifetimes, and that is the choice of words, labels, racism, prejudice, judgment, a lot of big topics, and we'll try and fit them into ideas about whether or not we are going forward for unity, with courage, or are we being cowardly and hiding behind word choices? We have today as our guest, Kathy Krafke, who is an amazing friend of mine and a bold thinker and someone who's not afraid to talk about tough ideas. And I'm so happy that she has joined us today because she wrote a blog that really touched me. And I think that we're all very conscious of the fact that conversation, just straight conversation these days, can be a landmine to navigate. And so, Kathy, welcome to our show this morning. I'm so pleased to have you on. Linda, I just feel like I ought to do some uh, honesty here before we start. Like, this is truth in journalism moment. I was going to call you. <laughs> I love you so much. Would you call, would you email me and said you want to be on the show? It's like, score. I've been trying to just, you know, we, we haven't, we've just added another grandchild to the mix. So my hormones Congrats. are raging. I can hardly focus on work right now. Thank you. It's oh, the cutest I've, thing you ever saw. Of course. I mean, but, who, who expected anything less? That's fantastic. But thank you for giving your time, especially when you have a much higher priority than <laughs> Well, I've been intending to call you and just catch up because I love you so much. And I always I always find when I spend time with you, even just a personal phone call for 30 minutes or an hour, I close off from saying goodbye to you. And I feel so uplifted and Aww. so encouraged and I feel wiser. So, and I, you know, I've quoted you. I think I even quoted you in one of my books. I can't remember which one, but I, I know I've got your stuff in files so that it's ready. To go well, when I need you're to so flattering. That's so kind. I think I'll start us off. One of the things that I feel is working against our world being kind and nice to one another is what I'll call the pandemic effect. <laughs> because I tend to think the isolation and the fears and the uncertainty really caused people to have to communicate in different ways. And then when you have to communicate only digitally, it's much easier to hide behind not-so-nice thoughts. If you're facing someone and you're having to choose your words carefully and you are you know, loving them and, and wanting to make a good conversation, is very different than being online where there are no consequences to poor behavior. And as my mother often said, it isn't what you say, it's also how you say it. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we are being so stifled. Many of us 
I'm one of these. I'm guilty of this. If if I'm talking to someone who is so polarizing or so angry, I may not choose to engage at that time because it may not, it will fall on deaf ears. And I'm sure that comes on a two-way street. So I would like us today to not let words stifle us. You and I certainly won't be abusive with one another, but we do know that a lot of people feel silenced right now. Yeah. And one of the most human things in in connecting with others is is feeling that you're heard. And so mm-hmm. let's just stay right up front. We have been listening, we have been hearing, we hear things that sometimes surprise us and sometimes astound us, but we also hear things that make us go, huh, I didn't consider that before and now I should. So let's mm-hmm, just jump mm-hmm. right into the title of your blog that caught my eye and it was racism versus prejudice. And so are we choosing words that bring forth cowardly or mm-hmm. courageous ideas? Take that and run with it. Okay. Well, I love it. I love it that this is the blog that prompted you to contact mm-hmm. me and invite me to be on the show. I I wrote that with a little bit of trembling because there is so much mm-hmm. vitriolic kind of information out there. I will say this. Uh, I love what Second uh, Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power and love and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. So one thing, one place I just want to start is uh, I wrote this whole book on how Jesus dealt with difficult people. And in your opening, yeah, in your opening, you you talked about how some things can be very polarizing and that sometimes you just feel like not engaging. I think we have a whole culture that is gone yes. to the extreme, that there's yes. either this whole sense of violence around this issue of race or the other side of that is people are disengaging. I personally think that for those of us who don't have a spirit of fear, but have a love and a sound mind and power, we definitely need to be talking in conversations that are self-disciplined mm-hmm. and sacrificial and kind. So, of, of course, I have lots of ideas about how to do that. I, I mean, a whole list. Oh, my goodness. Since you contacted me to be on the show, I thought I'm going to put that in a blog myself, her, her show, and I'm going to include a whole bunch of stuff about self-segregating and how to break the racial barrier because that's really what we want to be doing. We, we don't want to be arguing and fighting and have people mad. And nobody wants to throw rocks. I don't think there may be some that do. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I wrote down as one of my notes for us to talk about is cultural segregation, age segregation, and ethnic segregation. Because yeah. I'm seeing it happen across age ranges, yeah. across ethnicities, across cultures, and... I, I work yeah. with the military, as you know, so it's yes. a very diverse culture. And I, I, I'd i like to say I'm surprised by things, and sometimes I am. But for the most part, I feel like we're not bringing out our better selves right now. Well, in the, I have a question for you because you've done so much, so much volunteering and encouraging and serving those great heroes that serve us. So my question is, do you find that the mutual respect in the military, those skills and 
life-threatening situations they're put in. Do you find that breaks down the foolishness around race? Yes. Okay. Everybody bleeds red. I'm so glad to hear that. I I was hoping that would be your answer. Yes, the answer is Mm -hmm. yes. And in fact, Mm -hmm. many um, are are really very upset at the division within the military that is trying to tribalize everything. And so, no, everyone bleeds red and they don't, they, they haven't for years. It's been the most um, diverse, equitable understanding. They have to depend on one another. And because of that, it, it does cut through that nonsense. And not that it's true nonsense in the word that it is uh, foolish and, and silly, but, but it is divisive and it's also distracting. And that's well, the part that scares me. And it scares them too, because you can't have people distracted by things that don't matter when lives matter. Well, I think the reason I picked that verse is we have to understand that is fear in operation. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem with fear is the source of fear is not heaven. God, God does not give us a spirit of fear. Mm-mm. So the, much of what we're seeing is very demonic on both sides, on every side. It's, not, it's just mm-hmm. an attack. And so as Christian people, for myself, I need to really remember my spirit is not a spirit of fear. So I wanted to address two things you brought up in your opening. One okay. is, um, one, the, one that really caught my eye is... When Jesus dealt with people who were really difficult people, like, for instance, the Pharisees, they, those were the, <laughs> the scholars of the day. I mean, they were just trying to trip him up with every argument. They were the most argumentative, arrogant, intellectual people mm-hmm. the world has probably ever known, although we're just like them. <laughs> I remember there's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. So before I start throwing rocks, stones, I need to remember, you know, I, I can be a little intellectual sometimes. But anyway, what Jesus did with them is sometimes he, he disengaged with the Pharisees. And so in the book, The Well, The Art of Drawing mm-hmm. Out Authentic Conversations, that's actually where I begin. Mm-hmm. He disengaged. And, and I think this is really significant. Jesus loved everybody. He wasn't disengaging them because he was afraid or because he wanted to get away from Mm -hmm. them. He disengaged from them because he loves them as much as he loves you or me. So that's really important. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are times when it's okay for us because we love the other person to disengage, take a step back and really pray through how we will re-engage. Like he Mm -hmm. didn't quit interacting with them. He just mm-hmm. disengaged momentarily. So I think that's a real significant t- tool. I know we've got to go to break. I don't want to hog the conversation. At some point, I want to talk a little bit about how you can get past the self-segregation that happens in our culture. Like in East Texas, we have, I grew up with it. So I got sick of it and I started doing some things differently and I'd mm-hmm. love to share those. I'm no expert on this topic, but I do have really like I only have really dear friendships. I just I just try to disengage if people are not ready to be my friend. I understand mm-hmm. and I respect that. But I try to keep all my friendships at a really sweet level. So if we get a chance, I'll, I don't want I don't, I don't want to. I'm gonna let you throw your because I know we probably have to go to a break. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. I think what you bring up about a pause, a strategic or an intentional pause, is what has gone missing 
in our communications, whether online or in person. And I, I think that we'll come back to that again and again because we want to be kind to one another. And it doesn't take any money to be kind. In a world exactly. where you can be anything, being kind and um, understanding and compassionate is worth a great deal. And I know it means a lot to me. So we will go on our first break. We will take a short one. We will come right back and we will consider, continue talking about labels and, and choosing words and getting along and unity. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's words you never heard. Do you ever wonder where common food items found on most restaurant menus got their names? Bob Cobb, owner of Hollywood's Brown Derby Restaurant, created the Cobb Salad one night in 1937 when he threw ingredients together to make a salad, which included eggs. A cobber is a word for a friend, so dine on a Cobb salad with your cobber. The Caesar salad is attributed to Caesar Cardini, a restauranter in Tijuana, Mexico, who created the unusual mix of greens and anchovies when he was running low on ingredients for salad and had to use what was left in his refrigerator. Reuben Kolakowski of Omaha, Nebraska, created the sandwich we now call the Reuben. He first concocted it to feed some late-night poker players at a local hotel. What's the word for personal names that are now dictionary words? Eponyms. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back. I'm Linda Crater, and we're talking with Kathy Krafke today about labels and Go for it, Kathy. Well, okay. You brought up the title of my blog, which was Racism Versus Prejudice Inspiring Something. Bold. Bold <laughs> oh. and Noble Ideas. Oh, good. I, that's a great title. I don't do well with titles, so I like that one. Bold <laughs> it's your and, own title. Isn't that hilarious? Bold yes. and Noble Ideas. I do love that because thinking about our children, we really want to set a good example for them. Mm-hmm. So in that blog, I mentioned that I really prefer the word prejudice just to keep your listeners up to date. I prefer the word prejudice, and the reason is prejudice implies that you can be educated and get over your lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. Racism, on the other hand, is more of a, it's a condemnation, like it's a box. You put people in that box and they can't get out, and nobody wants to be put in that box. So now they're, anybody that is afraid of being labeled a racist is now operating out of fear rather than confidence and power and love. So that's why I prefer the word prejudice. Now, I will say this. I got a lot of feedback from that one, a lot more than I usually do. And at least one person wrote in to say, Kathy, prejudice is too light of a word for what we're dealing with. Racism is a stronger word. And the reason that um, she said so is because I have to be careful because I asked to quote her, but I haven't heard back from her yet. So I don't want to I don't want to say her name accidentally. But what she told me was having experienced actually being beat up as a little bitty girl in elementary school, that she uh, felt that there was so much uh, of a spiritual battle associated with this 
this conflict that we're having in this conversation we're having in America right now, okay. that she just felt like we needed stronger language. So I only throw that out to say, I really respect her perspective. I, I was really grateful Agreed. to have to have some correction on that. I find when I'm talking to my white friends, I have to be really careful because sometimes I'll say, well, you know, <laughs> that's a really white thing to say. And in East Texas, that's a this is a problem. And here's why. Everybody I know wants that self-segregating line gone, but they don't know how to cross over it. And they're afraid to say honestly what they think and feel because they don't want to be rejected and they don't want to reject others. So I'm going to offer a few ideas that I hope will help. I, I have I have kind of intentionally and accidentally crossed the barrier. There's just no divide in my life. All, I'm, one of my favorite stories recently is my husband. We were talking about Asian hate. I was so shocked to hear about that. And I, I turned to my husband while we were watching television. And I said, honey, do you think that's a real thing? Who could hate Asians? I don't understand. And my husband goes, I don't know. I don't even know any Asians. And I just burst out laughing because my, my beautiful sister-in-law is Asian and he forgot. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the nicest things he could say. Oh yeah. Because he's not labeling. No, I, I totally could not but wait there to is, tell it, their there family. There is Asian violence and hate. Oh, my, yeah. I have a colleague who's um, uh, part Korean and the attacks have been coming. I think though, again, this is really bad behavior caused by a lot of frustration and deep-seated prejudice um, and misconceptions about people. And so I, I think that we all do well to be very aware of what we may take for granted, what others don't take for granted. Mm -hmm. And I, I do understand about the word racist versus prejudice in certain cases. and. And yet I live in a much more diverse area and with mm -hmm. Washington DC here, we have oh, yeah. every melting pot, et cetera. But I don't see a lot of melting going on. I see more of what you were talking about with the self-segregation. And I think we also have to be very careful with a lot of the media is also pushing us mm. to divide each other with not only words, but what we're choosing, what they're choosing, I do mean that, for us to see, to hear, mm -hmm. the perspectives are being shaped by a narrative. And the narrative is certainly not one that is positive and, and unifying, which is why it's especially interesting watching Cuba right now, because mm -hmm. that is just fascinating to me. But I go back, if you would, to the... The sinister words, and and okay, yeah, because you know, it, it, there was a. I think in my this is my opinion, so please, people, don't come down on me for this. My opinion is that the more we talk about it, in some cases, yes, we could learn. In other ways, we tend to draw the boxes tighter and bigger, and it. I worry that when you overuse a word, it's like a, a child who starts to use swear words and then doesn't even hear them anymore. If we start to call everyone and everything racist, it's going to lose its meaning. And I once read, not too long ago, where someone said, if you have to put a color of the people in a sentence, you're being racist. Mm 
Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think there's some legitimacy to that thought. Um, what I was going to say is I, I've, I want to throw out three names in case people are looking for more on this. People that I view as experts. Sure. Judge, Judge Carol Clark, she spells her name C-A-R-O-L-E Clark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's done a ton on uh, justice. and the She was a judge, a family court judge, and she did a ton on trauma-informed Mm-hmm. Uh, responses to to uh, you know court cases, mm-hmm. and it, it was really working in her court. We were very sad when she retired. Sharon Jamison does a ton on how to yes. cross. I know you know Sharon. She's I so do. awesome. So Sharon Jamison, and then Ben Shaka came on the show. He wrote a book that's a parable, and in it he it's called Meals from Mars. In it he explains. I thought genius both sides of this discussion. Mm-hmm. So if you want to just a quick read, very fun, engaging Good. read, that's a that's a great way to kind of get a, a perspective of what the other side might be feeling. Mm-hmm. But to me, the biggest thing is how do I cross this barrier and create real friendship? So mm-hmm. knowing I was going to be on your show, Linda, I just wanted to come prepared. I thought of four, four or at least three ways that um, we can begin to cross that boundary. Because I think the main thing is, We'll keep, we'll quit putting people in a box once we are the ones are our friend. And, That's and once, true. once you have a friendship where you can really talk openly and know you're not going to be rejected and just, just given more better information, then you are suddenly free to really learn what you need to, to navigate this weird time we're in. So mm-hmm. my first one is don't look for token friendships. Like don't look right. for somebody to be your one black friend or your one white friend or your one Hispanic friend or Asian friend or whatever. Look for people that you love. And I'll give you an example. When my, my son pulled up to the junior high and it was crazy. I mean, if you ever want to see a picture of what it looks like to self-segregate, all the Hispanic kids were in one de- section the first day of school and junior high. Mm-hmm. All the white kids were in one little de- cluster and all the black kids were in another cluster and we pulled up and I said well can you see what's happening I mean it was so obvious a junior Mm -hmm. high kid he's alert and he goes yeah they're they're picking their groups and I said well here's what I here's what I want you to do I want you to find the good kids in each one of those groups and I don't care if they're believers Christians or not we can talk to people about Jesus anytime I want you just to find the kids that are good kids in each of those groups and those will be your friends and don't let them segregate you. So I, I think sometimes we need Good to understand. Yeah, sometimes I think we need to understand we may be the token white friend. And that's just what we need to step into. And certainly, certainly every African-American person I know has had that experience. So it's just a matter of respect mm-hmm. that we're willing to do that as well. Um, and we need to speak up honestly in those friendships. So that would be my first one. commit to mutual respect, commit to be making the sacrifice of telling the truth about how you feel when people put you in the spot or put you in a white box. Right. Mm -hmm. And then second one, commit to openness. Now I don't want to be a talk hog. So if I am, you tell me, keep going. Okay. I have a dear friend and this was probably 20 years ago or 15 at least. He wanted me to work on a book with me. And so i didn't really have the skills back then that I have now, but I, I knew I wanted to get them. And so I said, sure, I'll listen to your stories and um, it'll be really fun for both of us. And at least when we finish your, your family will have a document that will 
um, you know, record your stories for them. Well, he's he's an African-American man, well-respected in our community, an educator. Mm-hmm. And so we made a commitment to each other that we would not lie to each other. We would tell each other the truth. And I, I st- said from the very beginning, listen, I probably have this residual stuff from my childhood. I don't even know what it is or I would have already weeded it out. I would have pulled the weeds if I knew what my prejudices, my natural tendencies, my my false ideas, all of that. I, obviously, I would have dealt with them if I knew they were there. So we're talking blind spots. And I and so we we agreed. He knew he had the same thing. And so we agreed to just always tell each other the truth. That was the best year of of hearing his stories and having the discussion that followed afterwards. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. And he was so honest with me and I was so honest back. If you can find a friend like that, that is a huge gift. It is. There is just something about um, taking away the boxes, uh, having mutual points of discussion and interest and letting that be the background. I, I have to say that I think that racism has become worse in the last decade mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that it seemed like it was you know, on the wane, so to speak. Um, and my black friends, Asian friends, Hispanic friends all felt the same way, Me but too. not now. And so I think I always laugh and I always say, well, I, I can't affect the whole world, but I can affect the person I'm talking to. And so that's, we, we do have blind spots, I'm sure. But I also think we also have to look for the good as opposed to only let's mark out the black spots, black meaning dark spots, the things that we'd like to change about ourselves. And I I think it goes back to the the stereotypes of the cowboys and Indians. The, the, The one with the black hat was the bad guy. The one with the white hat was the good guy. These are subliminal. And they, they don't matter to people who look beyond for the people, but who knows? I mean, it could honestly be part of that. And I don't profess to know the answers either, but I have many black friends and I, I ask them questions like, well, why do you use the N word? I don't understand. You know, that was taken away many, many decades ago and it's different their culture is different and it's not seen as a big deal. And I, that still surprises me, but I accept it because too many of my friends have told me that. So there are things that will continue to surprise us. We don't necessarily need to agree with them, but we need to be aware of them. Would you say? Oh yeah. And I, I would say there's certain things that I hear white people say that I think, okay, that needs correction. And I have to find gentle words to do that. One of mine is um, I hear I hear my white friends sometimes put all the black male, young black males in a box of gangsters. Mm. And so I want to talk about that some more because I'd really like to speak out against that. Uh, Not a problem at all. We're going on a second break. This will be quick and we'll be back to talk with Kathy and more about putting people in groups and labels and shutting down conversations that are meaningful and unifying. We'll be right back. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's merging. 
was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog-a-ma-dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. Did you know there is an entire museum dedicated to French fries? Father and son team Eddie and Cedric Van Bell opened the world's first French fry museum in Bruges, Belgium. The entire museum is painted French fry yellow and features exhibits telling the story of the potato and the fry itself with displays of antique potato cutters and beloved condiments. Other names for French fries include frites, palm strips, Belgium fries, frizzle, and freedom fries. The slang term spud comes from the spade-like tool used to harvest the potatoes. French fries were first introduced in the U.S. when President Thomas Jefferson served them in the White House in 1801. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion about word choices and making certain that we are being aware of cultural differences, of um, the way we grew up, of certain regions of the country. I think that there is definitely some truth to the stereotypes. They wouldn't be stereotypes unless there was some truth to the fact that there are regions that are kinder, more open, uh, et cetera, and, and some that are less so. And I, I guess I've always believed in the golden rule, and I have been very surprised and chagrined to find that there may be more than one generation that does not even know what the golden rule is. Oh, my goodness. That is frightening. I better do a whole blog on just that, Linda. <laughs> I, it it's serious. I mean, I'm really quite serious. They, they're like, what's that? Oh and since gosh. the number of people who are not attending church and not claiming a religion or even a belief in anything, what are they calling them? The nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Uh, they choose nuns is the fastest growing uh, religion in the country. And so I think when you start to lose some basic principles of the golden rule is clearly treating others as you would wish to be treated, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are there are people to whom that is truly alien in terms mm. of a thought. And the world's a big place, but I don't know. Do you remember in the beginning of the pandemic when they took a, a, a globe and opened it up wide so the entire globe was there and we're showing where is this virus? It was 
everywhere on the globe. And mm -hmm. it occurred to me, we have only one planet. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we need to exist and coexist. We need to do better than coexist. We need to thrive together and we will be better off for it. Will we always have differences? Of course, that's what makes us interesting in some ways. But unless we are all willing to learn and set aside some preconceived notions and we look through life through a lens that we were either raised with or have come to know through our experiences, some good, some bad, it's very interesting. So I, I guess I am always eager to learn more but I am so grateful that I have friends in each of these categories so that maybe I'm their token. I, I don't know, but I, I do know that I care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's actually being willing to be the token friend is the way we begin to break down the barriers. I, I really think friendship is the only way you can make that happen. Mm -hmm. And especially in the church, we really need to be aware that, um, there are, we are probably looking at persecution in the future, perhaps. In my lifetime, this is the first time I've ever thought religious persecution in America could really happen. I mean, you can almost see a beginning. Mm -hmm. And so the wonderful thing for all of us is, uh, while it is not a history we're proud of in America, there are people in our midst right now who have experienced persecution and they're still alive. Mm -hmm. I know that I know that younger generation thinks they've experienced some, and they have. I, I want to talk a, bit, a little bit about that, the stereotypes with the younger people. Mm -hmm. But um, for sure, the older generation, anybody our age and older, remembers segregation, mm -hmm. and and I remember it was really toxic. It and it wasn't. It was terrible for African American people, but it was terrible for white girls, little girls, listening to those conversations. As a child, it made me want to vomit, and I knew that. I mean, I could hear and see the hypocrisy. Hmm. So that's not a healthy environment for any child, and it was toxic for me and for anybody else that grew up in my era. And mo most of us have been able to put that aside because we had the real blessing of desegregation in our schools, and so mm -hmm. the, the lines began to get fuzzier, and we began to cross over those lines. I'm so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit. Oh, and so to finish that thought. So in our midst are people who have actually experienced persecution and they know how to stand for what is right and how to do how to do that gently and thrive and preserve their families so that their children thrive. So and those are our African-American friends that are, mm -hmm. my, you know, in their 60s or older. So we really should be valuing their input and looking for them in leadership in all churches, especially white churches. Now, Linda, because you invited me to be on the show and I got so much input on that blog about prejudice versus racism, mm -hmm. I've decided to do two more, maybe three. I think I'm going to make your this conversation we're having it could be the grand finale at the end of the, this month. But, <laughs> <laughs> but one thing no I'm, pressure. Yeah, one thing. Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, I always love any conversation with you. I knew it would be good. <laughs> I, I knew you would make me think hard, and I love that about you. Um, but one thing I, I'm going to write about next soon, and so people should look for that on Kathy Craffy, K-R-A-F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E is in Edward.com, is I'm going to write about the advantages of being in a historically black church. Mm -hmm. So that's a little different. I mean, I, there, there are some people that could write about that, but not many, because once a church is desegregated, all that 
begins to flow the way it's supposed to. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if you're in a church that can't seem to get over that self-segregating line, you know, I'm really going to address why, especially in East Texas, it is hard for white churches to attract African-American attendees, members. Mm-hmm. And one reason is because the African-American churches in our region are so beautiful and so strong. Why would you give that up? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in a blog. People can look for that. The other thing I wanted to just, since you're so gracious about letting me talk about the things that matter to me, one of the things when I, 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 I can't speak to my African-American friends except to say I love you and I'm interested in what you have to say. But to my white friends, I can give you some perspective because I am more objective and I do know what we struggle with. So, for instance, I have friends to this day. I mean, this happens frequently where I live. People assume that if a guy is a young African male, that he probably is a gangster. And if they mm-hmm. see his clothing, because those are the role models for that mm-hmm. Ge- mm-hmm. this generation two behind us. If they see any of that, you know, communicating through the clothing, it's just like if you see a kid wearing a pair of Michael Jordan Reeboks, you're not going to think that kid's a basketball star. But for some reason, people see the gangster clothing and they think, oh, that kid's a gangster. Well, no, he just a wannabe, you know. Mm-hmm. He's just a wannabe. He thinks he's tough. He's trying to prove he's tough, but he may not be tough at all. It may not be scary at all. So I want to say that because here's what I find. Among the friends that I have, because so many of my friends I've met at church, right? Mm-hmm. So many of my friends, I am really seriously worried and concerned enough to pray and to ex- exhort my young black male friends to be careful, just like their own parents and grandparents mm-hmm. do. Because if if they get stopped by the police, I worry for them in ways I did not worry for my son. And, and I worried about him plenty, but it was just a different kind of worry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, William Crafty is not afraid of the police. If they if he he had a deer one time, the first person he called was the police and his dad. Mm. So it's just a different mindset. When you introduce so much fear into a child's heart, it does make it harder for them to respect and uh, believe the police are going to come to help them. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting nuance. But for for us, on for those people who happen to be white and can't get past the self-segregating, I just want to say it's a real thing. When the, when people talk about systemic racism, it's there, and it's because we're not having the conversations we need to have. And and honestly, if we would just have those conversations, some of this would begin to dissipate. Uh, we just need to be able to cross the boundary, take a chance, be willing to have somebody label you some dumb label like racist or, you know, whatever, ignorant. But just go ahead and ask your questions. Um, and, and know this, that just because a guy is a young black male doesn't mean he's a gangster. Please know that. I, I don't know a single gangster among the kids I know. They're all just college bound, hardworking, have part-time jobs, work Saturdays. You know, they're great kids. And whether all the kids I know, black, white, I always say black, white, or polka dotted here, but whatever background, they're just great kids. Those are the ones we know. Um, so there's plenty of them out there because they're, I know, countless young people. Okay, so back to, where where was I, Linda? I can't remember. I've lost my place. Well, I, I think it's more, uh, you were talking about the, the boxes and, and how you don't want people to uh, stereotype young black males. 
And I would agree. I think in the same way, um, we need to take a look at, and we'll carry this into the next um, segment, but there are also a lot of assumptions made about the family structure in various yeah. different groups. And so, oh, yeah, and there's a, a lot of truth in, in some of that. And yet that is, as a child, that is, you have no control over that. And so just like the color of your skin, you have no control if you don't have a father in the home. Uh, or if you go to church or if you don't go to church, uh, if you have friends or you feel uncomfortable having friends come over. Um, I know in my military population, there are dads who have severe PTSD or traumatic brain injury, and they can't have their friends over because they don't know how their parent will act. Mm. And I throw that in there just because it isn't limited only to racial issues. It's limited mm. to circumstances. And so I think family circumstances play a large role. And the more we understand it, and I think we found out a lot more during the pandemic because we learned what homes were not always havens for kids. They were often a dangerous place for children. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know who I think is breaking down stereotypes in a really beautiful and positive way? And, and we can thank capitalism probably is Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. I mean, how funny and cute are what they together? What a combination, together? right? Yeah, and I never heard his music. I mean, I hate to even recommend him as, as a role model because who knows what he wrote early in his career. But for sure, the chemistry between them sets aside any preconceived ideas have about older white women or younger black males or leadership in any variety. So I love that what they're doing. And I think what you bring up about leadership is so important. Our role models, more is caught than taught. And so if we are not seeing good behavior modeled and we're not seeing good relationships modeled, it makes it much harder to imagine them because you can read, but if you're watching videos these days, which is moreover what people tend to get their information that way, you're not going to see a lot of that. There's a lot of ugliness out there, and it's a shame. We're going to go on our final break, and we will be right back continuing this very interesting discussion. So don't go away. <laughs> We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's merging Which U.S. state would you guess has the fastest talkers? Recent research by analytics company MarchX revealed that the nation's fastest talkers come from Oregon, Minnesota, Massachusetts, Kansas, and Iowa. What about New York, you ask? New York ranked near the bottom at 38, but New Yorkers do use more words. A New Yorker will use 62% more words than someone from Iowa who have the same basic conversation. What's another word for fast-talking? Tachylalia. America's slow-spoken or tardiloquent talkers were from North Carolina, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, and Mississippi. What's a word for someone who likes to say the same thing over and over? A batologist. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. 
cats in U.S. households than any other pet. Most allurophiles or cat owners know that unlike dogs, taking Kitty for a ride in the car isn't any fun. I mean, you never see a cat hanging its head out the window, enjoying the breeze. Today's domestic cat is descended from a small Mid-Eastern wildcat. A group of kittens is called a kindle, and a group of adult cats is a clouder. What's the word for those dust balls composed entirely of cat hair? Fluffernugans. Personally, I like pigs better than either cats or dogs. Dogs are subservient and look up to man. Cats are aloof and look down on man. A pig, however, will look you in the eye and see as equal. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back. Kathy, one of the things that you were talking about was that churches are often the most segregated. And I was talking prior to that about familial relationships. And in certain communities, the church makes a huge impact on Mm -hmm. the community and the African-American community. That is definitely true. I know that with our own church, uh, I sing in the praise team at least when church was fully Mm. open. Mm -hmm. And we had a wonderful, wonderful experience. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had. We went to an AME church, an all-black church, uh, African Methodist, and the music is what bound Mm -hmm. us together because it it was more gospel-y. I swear I'm half interbaptist, my hands in the air kind of stuff if I could, but I'm... (laughs) Presbyterian, so we're the frozen chosen. So I'm kind of a blend of of things. But my point is that I think music can be a huge unifier. And so you mentioned Snoop Dogg earlier, um, Mm -hmm. but gospel music and sharing um, the belief systems that we have, you know, Mm -hmm. those are the things that can bring us together because in the community, the more crossover we have to see the commonalities we have as opposed to the differences. I also put the same category for mission work. Mm-hmm. When you're at a soup kitchen, you are really feeling extraordinarily blessed that you're handing out the soup as opposed to gaining the soup. Mm-hmm. Um, shelters, same thing. So when we volunteer to help others, I think we cross over many lines. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm so grateful for all the people who have established nonprofits in our area, for instance. And I I really see the church doing that, but sometimes doing it poorly. Uh, I think the church could learn a lot from the gaps that are filled by nonprofits. And and honestly, some of the politics in the government doesn't make it easy for churches to do what they need to be doing. <laughs> But um, or politicians or just sinners, you know, you got a church full of sinners, you're going to have some disagreements. So I don't know. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love to see the church step up more. Um, I will tell you they're being quashed as well. Oh, yes. Without a doubt. And 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 that's hard because you can't do both unless you have super bold leadership. And yeah. I, I'm seeing two kinds of leadership in the church, the bold leadership that addresses the difficult things, no matter what they are, as yeah. they happen, right. or the kind that ignore it as though it does not exist. And that we'll just turn our eyes over here and not look at it. it it's again, 
things seem to be very 180 you know in a lot of areas of life right now and i i find that very sad because that is very limiting for all of us to learn and live with we have uh, some really great pastors in my area. East Texas, you know, we're the heart of the, they always say we're mm-hmm. the buckle in the Bible belt. Mm-hmm. Um, I I find the ones that I, res- I have listed several of them in both of my books now. Both, both my books are devoted to how to have better conversations. So one of them is mm-hmm. all the strategies that I found that Jesus used in the, with the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And that one's called the well. And then the other one is how to have better marriage conversations. Which I love that. I know. And and we just a shout out to our friend Sandra Beck, because she started that process with me on the marriage book. And and I I always feel like I should have 10 names on the front of that book. There's so many people that contributed (laughs) to it that it feels really selfish of me just to have my name on it. Readers should know if you buy my book, I, I don't even claim to be the author of either book. I feel like I got so much help that there should be half a dozen other authors on the front cover. However, inside, if you look at the acknowledgement, there's a list of really great pastors, and they're all East Texas rooted. Mm. Now, some of them are still here and some of them are elsewhere, but they're my friends. Mm -hmm. So I sent those two books to them to get feedback because I know sometimes my attitude about church can be really frustrated. I get frustrated when I see what the church is not doing. But this this blog that I've written for next, uh, soon, shortly, on Black churches mm-hmm. has reminded me how much the church is accomplishing. And so that was really a great exercise for me to get my attitude right again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I just want to say my third point on how to cross self-segregating lines is this one. Look in the right places mm-hmm. for your friend, for your friendships. So you mentioned the military. I love that. I'm actually going to add that to my list. Okay. But also because you're talking about people that have really been tested by fire. And so they know what priorities are, and they're not getting sucked into the stupid, foolish Well, it's harder and harder to pull away from it right now. But, Uh, you know, one would hope that um, it it is not going to change because the world is changing very fast, and we must be vigilant. Well, the other place I like to look for friends that uh, that know how to be open is teachers. Teachers are really uh, so well-trained. Like I always say, I like to meet a principal because they know how to deal with ADHD children. <laughs> uh, I, I find my friends that are principals, they get the fact that my focus is going to be like, bing, 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 like a pinball. Mm-hmm. I have a pinball brain. Mm-hmm. So that's one area where I like to find friends is among the people I know who have been teachers and then, or who are teachers currently. And the other place is church. So I did not intentionally join an African-American church. It was an accident, kind of. It was God's calling in my life. As I was driving by, I kept hearing, feeling his Holy Spirit nudging me to visit our sweet little church, Galilee Baptist Church here in East Texas. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't join that church to desegregate it. That was not my intention at all. I I joined because God led me there. And because of that, what I discovered is there was this beautiful culture that I did not even realize existed because it wasn't what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, like you mentioned music, um, one of the things I do love about my church is the music. And I, I'll touch on that a little bit in this week's blog. But the the thing that's funny about, yeah, I know you have a beautiful voice. I, I really can't <laughs> sing. No, I'm it, an ensemble singer, but thank you. But in... Uh, 
in African-American churches, often the ones I know here in East Texas, and I know many, they often begin their kids, tiny little tots are up yes. there singing every once, once a month, the children get to, to kind of take over the service mm-hmm. in our region. That's kind of a cultural thing. And so at first it blew me away to have little kids and junior high kids and high school kids leading the worship time. And it's just became such a beautiful thing to me. I could not wait to go back when it was youth Sunday. Mm -hmm. So that's a regular thing for us. But what I love is when when it's mission Sunday, like uh, the women sing Mm -hmm. or when our full choir sings once a month, I'm up there. And so what we, what we've done is we have, I have a friend who grew up, her parents owned a, a daycare center and then she eventually took that over and then eventually they sold it. But she is so good at leading small children. So whenever I get off beat, she starts clapping like you would in Sunday school for the small children. <laughs> and she, she'll you have turn, your own personal metronome. Uh-huh, I do. And she'll turn to me and she'll be hitting the right note and I'll hear, oh, I'm not hitting the right note. Of course, she knows. But she'll turn to me and kind of project my way so that I understand I need to get back on note. <laughs> But again, you know, it's the joyful noise as opposed to being perfect. None of us are perfect. And I I think that we certainly know that message loud and clear. Yeah. I I don't want to miss this point, though. I, I do believe that we are we can try as people, all of us can try to cross lines, etc. I think one thing we have difficulty fighting right now is social media and regular media trying to put us in little buckets and smaller and smaller buckets. You know, we're, we're going to first divide you by color, then we're going to divide you by gender, then we're going to divide you by, I don't know, your shoes. I mean, uh, it's religious. down to the most ridiculous it, it is. And well, faith is a big divisive point among I think, many people. I think, so, it's, I think there is going to backfire on them. I believe faith will be the uniter and we, and we will see, I believe hope. a one revival. Hope. I think we'll and, see a revival as a result. The more well, they I, try to well, put us in the small family box. unit is also reviving. Yeah. Um, people are being pushed in directions they don't want to go. And suddenly you're seeing a lot of courage come up, a lot of bravery, mm-hmm. a lot of speaking out, because for so much of last year, we were told what to do and we did it. And mm-hmm. I don't think the loss of all the freedoms went unnoticed now that we realize the extent of the manipulation. Well, I think you, you really brought up a great word with freedom. I mean, that's really what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Instead of fear. Having enough yes. power and love and sound mind, sound thinking mm-hmm. to be able to say, I am free. I do not have to be subject to these lies and this hate, this vitrolic, demonic it's hatred. it's done on purpose in some ways. But I, I don't want to miss out on people knowing where to go to find out more oh, information from you. We can you. continue, but I want to make sure we get this in. So tell them where they can find your blog and your information. And obviously your books are probably listed on your website as well. Yes. Um, Kathy Craffy, C-A-T-H-Y-K-R-A. F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E is in Edward.com. It really helps me if people sign up to get my blog. It's free and it's great interviews. You'll be on there soon. But also my books. <laughs> but I well. enjoy reading it. 
I, it's always very insightful. Oh, thank you. I, it's a little self-indulgent. I go long, but sometimes people like that. For sure, you can always listen to the podcast. There's nearly every week, there's nearly a podcast almost every week. Some interview I've done with somebody. I've got a whole bunch of literacy stuff coming up with my really creative daughter, Anna. People mm -hmm. love her. Mm -hmm. We always get tons of downloads when she's on the show. So that's going to be fun. Um, but my books are The Well, The Art of Drawing Out Authentic Conversations mm -hmm. and um, Marriage Conversations from Coexisting to Cherished. I will tell you, I, I share that. I share really personally in the marriage book. So if you're hurting in your marriage, you'll, or even if you don't want to hurt in your marriage, you're going to want to read that. It, it's stuff people, people always tell me it's funny, Linda. I didn't <laughs> write it. I didn't write it to be funny. I, just I don't know it. that it's funny as much as it's poignant. Because people have, have definitely lived those things. And and yeah. so, so hearing that you're not alone, we always think we're so unique. Only right. to find out that, oh, that person had that same thought. I want to thank you, Kathy, for giving oh. so freely of your time today. Thank you for the quick call saying, hey, you want to come talk about this on the radio today? Because tough topics are good topics and I hope mm -hmm. we shine some light for some people and please go to kathycrafty.com and sign up for Kathy's newsletter and read her books. You can tell her heart mm -hmm. is God's child. You take care, have a wonderful week and thank you for giving us your time and wisdom today, Kathy. Well, thank you for listening in. Anyone that's listening, we just do this because we love you and we're so lucky to have Linda in our life. <laughs> Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.